You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Hot Take Hot Box, episode 93. My name is Matt McSweeney. Thank you, as always, for joining me on this glorious and illustrious podcast. It is a Thursday afternoon, September 22nd, 2022. The Philadelphia Eagles are 2-0. and They have taken care of business against both Detroit, like we spoke about, and now a Monday night victory against the Minnesota Vikings. We will discuss that. A game that, frankly, wasn't very close from the very beginning. Birds just kind of blew them out. We'll talk about the Phils, who are still holding on to a narrow margin in the National League wildcard race. As it stands now, they are two and a half up of the Brewers. They are one and a half back of the San Diego Padres. They are right in that third spot like we wanted them to be. They have kind of hit a downslide in recent uh, in the last week, uh, getting swept by the Braves, losing the last game of that Marlins series, and uh, getting a 18 spot put up on them on Tuesday night. Bouncing back last night with a Matty V walk-off uh, in a game where they were down 3 nothing going into the bottom of the 8th. They gave up three runs right there in that, in that top of the 8th. They came back. They were able to get some runs. JT Homer, you know Dalton Guthrie uh, with an RBI, Schwarber with an RBI. So, Phils with a big, big, big win last night. And now they have a crucial four-game series against the Atlanta Braves before going and playing the Cubs Nationals like like a lot of the series like we have talked about the Brewers if they were playing any better or any relevant sort of baseball they would they would 100% have already caught the Phillies but I have never viewed them as a serious or viable threat to catch the Phillies or give them a serious run for their money I think it has nothing to do with how bad or you know the Phillies have played or how good the Phillies will play or whatever it just has a lot to do with the fact that I don't think the Brewers are frankly that good. It doesn't matter who they play; they just they're they're not really that good of a team. They have a great pitching staff, and but I told you when they made those trades at the deadline, I thought that they were dead in the water, and they have they have survived due to the fact that the Phillies have let them survive for this long. And they are the thing is, unfortunately, they are still in this they are still in this race, and they are not dead yet. Uh, the Phillies, if they do make the playoffs, will have backed in, tripped over their own feet three different times, and fallen into a playoff spot against the St. Louis Cardinals in, wild, in, in the wild card round. That is their best case scenario at this point. We have to hope that the Brewers are not going to be able to take care of business. They have a series this week against the Cincinnati Reds, a four-game set against the Cincinnati Reds, who are... Not, as we all have uh, found out with our own eyes, not a good baseball team. We are playing the Braves, who are a very good baseball team. So we we are definitely up against it. They have a series against the Cardinals, the Marlins. We will get into all of that. My voice is almost cracking. It is already in trouble. Sean Couturier and Ryan Ellis, by the way, uh, a little bit of Flyers talk to get it out of the way before we go any further. They're going to be out for the season more than likely. And... Joel Farabee will miss time to begin the season, so the Flyers will be unwatchable as we expected, but it has already gone downhill before they have basically started seriously practicing in training camp. So, so as we all thought the season was over before any of this stuff was really confirmed, but now we know the season is over 
and there's no point in worrying about it. It's just going to be a freak show, an absolute shit show. It'll be Tortorella yelling at reporters and people challenging people to fights outside the locker room. It's going to be probably fun from a uh, circus aspect, but not an actual real NHL hockey team uh, taking them seriously aspect. So, again, the Flyers are a absolute joke and a clown show. Back to the Birds. How about the Birds this past week? Uh, Monday night game against the Vikings of Minnesota. They had absolutely nothing for the Eagles on both sides of the ball. The Eagles score all of their points in the first half, 24-7, and that was what the final score was. Kirk Cousins threw three interceptions, probably should have thrown more. I mean, Slay himself dropped a few. It was an ugly, ugly, ugly performance from him. Primetime Kirk was in full effect. Our defensive line absolutely dominated them. They were not able to run the ball. The most guy, the most yardage that anyone had was Kirk Cousins with 20 yards. Dalvin had six attempts, 17 yards. There was not much uh, going for them uh, at all, to be to be honest. On the uh, uh, in in the run game and, and the pass game was it was kind of easy to focus on shutting down Justin Jefferson and Thielen didn't get. At much of anything he didn't I don't think he caught a ball until late in the fourth quarter it was kind of smooth sailing for the Eagles uh on the offensive end the birds really had their way with whatever they wanted to do Jalen played uh, and probably one of the best games of his career in the NFL I think the the other game that always sticks out to me is that Saints game I thought he was incredible both from the pocket and making plays outside I thought this game was a very similar situation now of course, he he did his fair share of running, and he was escaping the pocket, and he was ma- you know making plays with his legs. He had eleven carries, fifty-seven yards, and two touchdowns. He had uh, some plays where he was down on the goal line, and three dudes were had him wrapped up, and he was still powering through and reaching the ball across the goal line. I think the big thing, though, that we talked about on this podcast for months before the season was that we wanted to see the differences that Jalen could make in the pocket, and not only. Now, maybe that might have been a short-sighted way to look at it, but the plays he's making even outside the pocket now down the field have changed this offense and have made this much more of a dangerous situation than it was last year or, you know, even last... I mean, last week he kind of was doing it, but now now especially the ball was being spread around this week. Devontae Smith got going, seven catches, 80 yards. Dallas Goddard had five catches. A.J. Brown had five catches. You know, Even Zach Paschal had a few catches. Everyone got involved this week, unlike last week, where over 60% of the targets and and receptions all went to A.J. Brown. So it was much more of a spreading the ball around situation, more of a democratic way to spread everything around. Uh, you know, the, the run game is not going to have a problem. I think our offensive line is pretty much going to dominate everyone or, and, and everything that they play. He, Jalen Hurts, that being hit Quez Watkins right down the middle on sort of a busted coverage by the Vikings. At, you know, it, it was a very easy pass, but he hit him in stride. Made, you know, saw it from right away. Looked the other side of the field, pumped, turned to his left, hit him right down the middle. There was plays this whole game where he was rolling out, making throws on the run. Just there's nothing you can say, and even the interception wasn't even really his fault. It gets put on him, but he was kind of like hit from behind. The ball got tipped, and it was just, it really is not something where you're like, oh my God, that was an awful play by Jalen. It was not, I didn't leave that saying it was his fault. 
So it was good to see Goddard get going. It was good to see, obviously, Devontae Smith because you didn't, you know, people were already, oh, what a waste of a pick. We need to see him do more. We need to see this and that and that and this and this and that. It's just, you know, it was kind of getting a little too much uh, of an overreaction after a one week uh, sort of situation. But. Anytime Jalen's throwing over 300 yards, either we're getting blown out and we're kind of in garbage time or we are dominating. And this was a game where we absolutely dominated from start to finish. We, we you know, Jalen is a problem in the open field when he is running the ball. There has never, that is not something I have ever contested or doubted or said that he couldn't do. I mean, he makes people miss. He is not easy to take down. He is a strong, strong individual. He is essentially a running back out in the open field when he gets that ball. And being a quarterback and being able to scramble, he is able to get a lot of open space and get a head of steam going. And he's, like I said, hard to take down. There was that touchdown run. I think it was the second one he had. Yeah, it was the second one because the first one was a read option down on the goal line. The second one was more of a 25. I think they were on the 25-yard line. He rolled out, and the whole right side of the field was open. He ran up the sideline, cut back. He got wrapped up, but he just spun out of it, reached the ball across the goal line, touchdown. But again, that is something we've all known he can do. He's definitely an incredible runner of the football. What he impressed me with on Monday night was his ability to make those plays down the field, look, keeping his head up, looking down, finding the Devontae Smiths, finding the Dallas Goddard while rolling out and on the run. And that is what will open up those huge run plays because you have to respect him. You have to keep guarding those guys down the field. He's not just always going to, you know, as soon as things break down in the pocket, tuck the ball and run. It's not it's not as uh, simple of a formula now. If, there, if you add all these different elements and options to your offense, then it makes it that much more difficult to stop. I was very, very impressed with what I saw on Monday night from Jalen Hurts. And obviously I have been a big I would say, uh, I wouldn't even say detractor. I guess I have kind of been a detractor, but just kind of a skeptic of, of Jalen Hurts. And he 100% proved me wrong that he has that ability to throw it down the field and beat people from the pocket because he was making throws from the pocket with relative ease. And, you know, doesn't all happen. And that's the thing. I, I kind of, not. I mean, I already knew this, but I kind of were was reminded by this on, on Monday night that it doesn't all need to come from the pocket. Now, there are going to be games where these teams, you know, hem him in and keep him in the pocket. They don't allow him to run. They don't They want to shut down those RPOs and they want him to just kind of beat them like, like you know, with his arm. And that, that will come at some point. I, I, I do believe that. But like we saw from Carson Wentz, and and in his magical historic 2017 year, a lot. If you go back and look at a lot of his highlight plays and a lot of his, you know, big touchdowns and the, all these big throws came from outside the pocket while he was rolling out while he was making something happen. Because it just it's another element that the defense has to worry about. That when he rolls out or when he leaves the pocket, they have to kind of step up a little bit or at least consider the fact that Jalen might go and pick up 15, 20 yards no problem with his legs. So they take that couple steps or they, they hesitate for even that small second. That opens up somebody over the top or that, you know, opens up a guy coming across the middle for an, you know, an easier 20 yards without having to run and get your quarterback taken out. Maybe, you know, maybe he's only able to get seven or whatnot. You know, it's just it just it just keeps this offense so deadly and so just nuclear. I I, I love it. I, I love it. That's that that was my big huge takeaway from the. Now obviously they only scored 
24 points, but it, it was a dominant, dominant performance, especially defensively. The Eagles were getting pressure on Kirk Cousins the entire game, and, and the, those pockets were collapsing on him. It, seeming, it seemed like the entire game. Uh, Darius Slay was having his way with Justin Jefferson, which was something that I'm sure before the game a lot of people, including myself, didn't really think was going to be reasonable. I mean, we saw highlights and clips of Jair Alexander, the cornerback from the Green Bay Packers, who is no joke. He's definitely in the conversation for being a top five corner and coverage guy in the league. He was getting, uh, you know, there was highlights of him getting diced up. Now, of course, you can find highlights of, you know, three or four plays in, in a given game where anyone's getting cooked or anyone looks bad. But it, it, it just looked like, Darius Slay was uh, when those guys were in one on one. He was having his way, and like like I said, Darius had two interceptions. He could have easily had maybe even two more. Where he you know he dropped one that was thrown right to him off of his off of his right arm. Like, there was a couple play like he just was all over the ball the entire game, and uh, he that that's probably the the player of the game overall, especially on the defensive end. Uh, offensive end, you'd have to say it's got to be Jalen Hurts. Who uh, who looked incredible, and uh, you know obviously Miles Sanders getting going. I like seeing him. Seventeen carries, eighty yards, no touchdown again. But I'll I'll take I'll take that kind of performance from him. Uh, it, he the offense and the run game looks much better when he is the one running the ball, and then you can use the Kenneth Gainwells and the Boston Scotts to spell him and kind of give him a rest and give the defense another look. Defenses have trouble with Boston Scott when he gets going and he's in there fresh. And he just pops right through the hole, and he picks up a nice quick 15 yards, no problem. Go back to Miles Sanders, and but it seems like Miles Sanders could really be the bell cow of this uh, offense, and that's another guy who I've been a detractor of. But he, I think he's right. He he's a guy. The only way those big plays and all that stuff happens is if you give him consistent carries and let him, you know, dominate the game and and kind of get the feel of what's going on. You can't really be as effective as you want to be or be the 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 sort of not you know the number one running back I'm not I don't know exactly the word I'm looking for but you you need that quantity of carries you need the the more chances you get at you know carrying the ball and the more you know looks you get the more potential for those big plays to happen and when you're putting in other guys and that you know it's just constantly although it switches up the look you know it's good to do that every once in a while but I, I think it's important to get miles the touches that he needs so long as he's able to hold up health-wise. That's always been my big fear when he gets a big number of carries, but so far so good for Miles. The Eagles looked great on Monday night. They have a big game going down to Washington this Sunday afternoon against Carson Wentz and the Washington Commanders. It'll obviously be a the first time that we are seeing Carson Wentz play our Eagles uh, it's on the road, so it'll be a little bit of a different environment. It won't be crazy booze every time he is under center. And uh, that Monday night game, when when they come to Philadelphia, will be an absolutely insane environment to be involved in. Uh, that'll be a great time. But right now, Eagles are two and zero. They are tied with the Giants at two and zero. You know who they also are two and zero as well for the division lead. Commanders are one and one. Cowboys were able to squeak by with a victory. Cooper Rush leading the team to victory against Cincinnati. Cincinnati does not look good this year. Uh, they, their offensive line. They were the, the Joe Burrow was was running for his life the entire time 
on Sunday. I don't know if anyone was able to. That was a four o'clock game, so uh, you know. There, but there was actually a lot of four o'clock games. But usually, there's not many uh, as much as one o'clock, so you're able to kind of focus on a, a given game or uh, whatnot. But that was where my focus was. I had a little parlay going. Needed the Bengals to take care of business, and of course, they did not. Takes a it takes Joey B a little bit too long to get going in some of these games, and honestly, I don't blame him because you watched a lot of that game. I mean, he took three, two or three unnecessary roughness penalties where he was sliding and he got absolutely speared into the ground, uh, Goldberg edge style. Obviously, not something that's good or for the longevity and whatnot. And he's kind of learned from absolutely getting eviscerated some some of the uh, in some of those plays last year. But it's even from the pocket. He's not. If you give Joe Burrow time, he will find the Jamar Chases, the T Higgins, and the Tyler Boyds. They have all the weapons. Hayden Hurst, but he just was not able to get any time, and he got sacked a ridiculous amount of times, and and even had to throw himself out of situations on multiple occasions. So. Uh, Chiefs took care of business against the Chargers. Uh, Justin Herbert injured his rib, threw an awful pick six down on the goal line. They should have won that game, but he kind of threw it away. Still just Herbert doing that kind of stuff to cost his team games. It's uh, it's starting to become where you, you know you can't just keep blaming it on, oh, he's young or, you know, yeah, he's great. He's, all, he's got all this talent in the world, but he makes some crucial mistakes when the team needs him the most and – they lose a game that they definitely should have won. Shout out to my voice uh, going right here. I'm going to take a little sip of this Bev real quick. <clears throat> Hopefully that relieves the situation here. But Patriots take care of business against the Steelers. I think the Steelers are running out of time to get Trubisky out of there. Only 14 points getting absolutely clamped up by the, by the Patriot defense, I should say. Trubisky 168. Uh, one touchdown, one interception, and he didn't really run the ball that much. And it kind of hamstrings your offense when your guy can't really throw and he's not even exactly that uh, electric of an athlete, I guess would be the best way to say that. But Panthers, Giants, Giants took care of business against them. I really thought the Panthers were going to win that game, but it just seems like the Giants are finding ways to win games and the Panthers are finding ways to lose games. So it was a kind of a perfect uh, storm. The Jets pull off an a, a improbable comeback against the Browns with a onside kick at the end of the game. Flacco went th- 307 yards, four TDs, no picks. Uh, you know, Brissett just kind of average. Uh, Chubb had three touchdowns. It was just a crazy game. The Browns were up, you know, a, a good amount uh, towards the end of the game, and it just the, the Jets came running, came roaring back, as I should say. A uh, huge game from Garrett Wilson, eight catches, 102 yards, and two TDs. You know, and pretty much that's the only guy other than you get some Tyler Conklin and and Michael Carter. But uh, Garrett Wilson looks like he could be a legitimate, legitimate weapon up there in New York. How about the Colts, who might absolutely stink, getting just getting blanked by the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Colts now again didn't have many. Other starting wide receivers. I know Michael Pittman was out. Even Alec Pierce, the rookie from Cincinnati, was out. Ashton Doolin was their number one guy uh, catching passes for them. And and Matt Ryan threw three interceptions. Trevor Lawrence looked good. He looked solid. But, uh, yeah, I just think this is more of a story of uh, what's going on with the Colts. Do they stink? Are we out on the Colts? Uh, It could could be because at a certain point, this is two weeks in a row where they've thrown up duds. They got lucky to come back in that Texans game. But... 
They need they need them wide receivers back because they they I mean getting getting shut out by the Jaguars is not a good look. Dolphins and Ravens probably in the game of the weekend. Tua throws six touchdowns. Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle crazy stat lines. Dolphins are for real. They they, they are going to be a serious. Uh, they're almost like a college team that has one of those just nuclear offenses that. They, you know, you're going to have to do, you're going to have to figure something out. At some point, somebody's going to figure something out to at least slow those guys down. But so far, it has not happened. And this week is a huge game. Dolphins and Bills, teams that could be playing each other in the AFC Championship. So we'll see about that. Buccaneers and Saints, ugly game. Matt, Mike Evans and Marshawn Lattimore get into it. Mike Evans getting suspended for this upcoming week. Saints offense did not look good. Uh, this is good for the Eagles draft pick, by the way. These, uh, you know, Jameis Winston's playing with f- three or four broken vertebrae in his back or fractured vertebrae in his back. He had no Camara for them. Uh, you know, you, you just this is just an ugly, ugly game, and, and Brady able to will his team sort of to victory here. But it, it neither team really looked uh, great. The Buccaneers defense, I should say, did look incredible. They had they forced multiple turnovers, had multiple touchdowns. They looked great. Lions, the Lions are. are it seems like the Lions are. I wouldn't say for real, but they are much better than they were last year. They are not the laughing stock and joke that they were last year. Amon Ross St. Brown is a beast, catching like you know ten plus catches a game. It seems like. Uh, the over was given out on the college uh, podcast by uh, by Pauly Pockets. Shout out to Pauly Pockets. He is a absolutely known sharp. 49ers, Trey Lance, lose him for the season with his ankle facing the wrong way. Jimmy G comes in the game, takes care of business, leads the boys to victory against the Seahawks, who kind of came back to earth after their emotional huge victory over the Broncos the week before. Rams almost lose this game to the Falcons. Falcons sort of come back and had the ball here on the 15-10 yard line trying to punch it in at the end. Big game from Drake London. Uh, the Rams kind of just coasted a little bit too much there towards the end and almost cost himself a victory. Kyler Murray with an el- absolutely elite, unbelievable performance uh, against the Raiders towards the end of that game, scampering around and scooting scooting his little legs around to get the Raiders a victory in overtime. Uh, wind up winning it off of a Hunter Renfro getting his block knocked off and uh a scoop and score touchdown but uh that only that only happens because of the miracle and and just magical plays that Kyler Murray was making at the end of regulation Texans lose to the Broncos in an ugly game Nathaniel Hackett has not looked good still horrible at managing the clock and managing the situations in these games Texans you know good defense that Lovey Smith leading the charge but offense still not great uh, not much to worry about. Cowboys, like I said, they were able to skate away with a victory. Huge drive by Cooper Rush at the end of the game to take care of business. Packers dominate the Bears. The Bears don't throw the ball at all. They, they, I don't know if Justin Fields is bad or they don't trust him or what the deal is, but they, they're not going to beat a lot of teams with the way they play the game. The Bills dominated the Titans, uh, and the, the Bills just looks like. They are uh, all systems go. Uh, Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. Probably the best duo in the NFL right now. I don't know how you're going to stop them or what you're going to do to stop them. They are just—they look like they're on a collision course for the Super Bowl. And my other pick for the Super Bowl, the Philadelphia Eagles, took care of business on Monday night. So that is Week Two, Week Three. We have some, you know, like I said, some big games. We got the Bills, Dolphins, Steelers, Browns is not a huge game. 
Uh, I'm trying to go find some games here. Ravens-Patriots seems like a uh, nice, solid game. Vikings-Lions looks like there could be a lot of points scored in that game. Eagles-Commanders is what, you know the one we're focused on. Chiefs-Colts, Chiefs should take care of business. But, I mean, the Colts at some point need to bounce back. Chargers-Jaguars looks like the Chargers have a uh, perfect bounce-back spot there. Rams Cardinals should be a nice victory or a nice victory. It should be a nice game to watch there on that four in the four o'clock section. But Packers Buccaneers, I think the Packers could definitely win this game due to the fact that the Buccaneers have basically no one left to catch the ball for them. Falcons and Seahawks is not a great game, and then they have the Sunday night game, which is the 49ers and Broncos. Eh, that's not a horrible game, you know. And then the Cowboys Giants on Monday night, which is blah. That that's a ugly, ugly Monday night game. But they got to give Troy his Cowboys to call the games for. So let's keep it moving. Let's go get right into the baseball. Let's get right into the Phillies. They are about to live out their worst nightmare, a a living nightmare, which is a four game series against the Braves in September. Uh, I am very, very worried about what's going to happen this weekend, especially the fact that the Brewers are ha- have a series against the Reds like I kind of talked about already. I'm not going to spend too much time on the Phils just due to the fact that I kind of already did discuss what's going on. Bryce is hitting 169 in September. Schwarber just hit his 40th home run uh, on Tuesday night in a game that really wasn't uh, all that meaningful. Uh, you know, Well, in, in a situation, I guess I should say, that wasn't all that meaningful. Uh, Phil's got uh, Max Freed and Suarez on the mound tonight. Uh, this game is, or these series are at home. This series is at home, I should say. Uh, Jake Odorizzi and uh, Aaron Nola. So that's a Friday night matchup. And then they have a Saturday afternoon matchup. Bailey Falter and Kyle Wright finishing up with a Sunday afternoon. Kyle Gibson and Charlie Morton will go at it. Uh, Kyle Gibson, who has killed us in some of these games, and he got absolutely blown up on Tuesday night. Uh, what, what did he go here? He went five innings, seven earned runs, 12 hits. And it's just, you know, not not, not what you need from your starting pitching, uh, especially at this point in the season. Wheeler pitched for the Phils last night, which was huge. He, he finally made his comeback. He went, I believe, five innings. I'm going to pull the exact number up. He went four innings. I'm sorry. Four innings, two hits, three Ks, no walks, which is huge. He got two solid innings from Syndergaard, who came in afterwards just trying to get him some work and keep him fresh for the playoffs. And then the bullpen kind of did their job, other than Dominguez, who has not looked good uh, for the most part in some of these recent games. He gave up three in this game, and the last time we saw him was the 16th against the Braves, who when he gave up five runs. Before that, he was not, you know, not bad. I mean, before all that, his ERA was at 157. His ERA has ballooned up to 287 at this point. Uh, I don't know if he's still hurt or if he's just running out of gas. I'm not sure what the uh, result or reason or whatever you want to come up with is. It's not a good situation. Like we said, uh, Bryce Harper has not looked good. For the most part, the team is getting back to somewhat health. Big thing will be getting back Castellanos. Maton has done a good job of playing right field for the Phils in these recent games. Veerling went 5-for-5 five five the other night. The pride of South Bend, Indiana and Notre Dame finishes it off with a walk-off chopper right up the middle to win the game for the Phils. But I think the big thing will be basically that they need to at least... I, 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 it, it's tough, but you need they need to win at least one of these games. <laughs> you know, like that's... 
That's the fucking awful thing. Like, they need to. I, they need to split this series. They need to win two. But I, I am so shell shocked from playing these Braves that you know they they need to win. If they win two of these games and then they're able to get the you know take they have four games against the Nationals at, at, at next weekend. And then if you know this this Cubs series, which I'm a little shook from the last time they played the Cubs, but the Cubs are not a good baseball team. They are traveling out to them, but they have that day on Monday to rest, get everyone ready, and take care of business. So if the Phils can can keep afloat here, hopefully the Brewers don't sweep the Reds. If the Brewers can kind of you know if the Brewers lose two games, I think we this thing's over pretty much. Because uh, I think the Phillies are going to take care of business against the Nationals. They might sweep the Nats next week. I know they haven't been playing well, but that's still the Nationals, and that's still a team we have dominated here in the second half of the season. I think it just comes down to doesn't really matter who we play or what what the results are. You know, yada yada yada. I think the Phillies just need to play better if we plan on doing anything in the playoffs. It's setting up perfectly for us to play the Cardinals and and, and get the matchup that we wanted. We don't want to go to Atlanta and play the Braves in that in that three game series. We don't want to have to see Strider. We don't want to have to see Max Freed. We don't want to have to see any of that. Luckily, this weekend, we won't have to see Spencer Strider. So hopefully, the Phils can at least, you know, w- with it being at home, can sneak out. Now, they, those games in, in Atlanta this that, that past weekend, you know, they, were, they should have won that Saturday game. And the Sunday game, they kind of let slip through their fingers. And it was more the, due to the fact that Strider was pitching a gem. And they didn't have, uh, you know, they didn't have much to... Uh, offer them uh, with the hits. I mean, you can't win games when you go, you know, two runs, three runs, two runs. So that that's just kind of what it comes down to. The bats need to get going. You know, I know on Tuesday they scored 11 runs, but they gave up 18. It, it just a lot of these games they haven't been scoring enough runs against these good teams. So they need to, you know, if they're not, if the pitching isn't going to hold up, then they need to hit the ball and they need to hit the ball a lot this weekend at home. In Philadelphia against the Atlanta Braves, this is a huge. This is a uh, pivotal. Whatever the turning point, whatever the cliche you want to use, this is it. It's all on the line this weekend, and uh, you know they they can either separate themselves or they can make this thing a real interesting coming down the stretch here. With you know we got four, three, which is seven, eleven, and fourteen games left for the Phillies in the regular season before the playoffs start. Uh, that weekend uh, in October. So we will see, ladies and gentlemen. That's about it for the Hot Take Hotbox today. I will be back uh, with uh, with at least tomorrow with a college uh, pick'em podcast, J-Pav, Pauly Pockets. Uh, hopefully Pauly Pockets shows up. He did say he would show up if he had a winning record. So and he had a winning record. So he hopefully will, he will be there. And then we will be back next week with the MMA. And we'll be back with the Eagles breakdown, NFL breakdown. We'll be back with all sorts of content for everyone to enjoy. Thank you, as always, for listening. I appreciate you all. I appreciate when you come up to me and let me know that you like the, the show, you like the podcast. Uh, let Reach out. Let me know what you think. Tell me I'm an idiot, all that stuff. You know I always enjoy that if you don't agree with anything that I'm saying. But uh, thank you, and let's go Phils. Let's go Birds. And uh, let's, let's keep it rolling.